Hey, welcome to the Runaways Podcast. My name is Cody. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the Battle Heart in Cincinnati. We're going to talk about the new hero that was released. Dan is going to share his experience on the cruise. Uh, we will also actually be recording our spoiler video on the podcast tonight. However, you do have to wait till Tuesday for that segment of the podcast to come out. and We'll release that by itself. Uh, and then we'll have the main topic, which is should you main a deck? Should you have one deck? Should you have multiple decks? Uh, but tonight I am joined with Dan, as well as the one and the only, at his first time on the podcast, the Prism Simp, the number one, uh, Fina. <laughs> I'm, I'm less upset about you pulling me away from Honkai Star Rail. I, get the, I, I don't have to wait till Tuesday to see the spoiler card? This is broken. <laughs> you do get to see the spoiler night, and you weren't aware of that before I just said it, which I just realized. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, so that will be a good segment uh, when we get oh. there. And then for everyone who's listening to this before, you will uh, see that segment released on Tuesday, which should be fun as well. And Dan just got back from the cruise, and I don't think you look any tanner, but I heard that you oh. had a great time, <laughs> and I saw you a million times on Twitter. So now you're Twitter Dan. <laughs> Yeah, from the like, did a great job of posting pics of me. I think Sam posted yeah. some too. Oh, it was like it was everybody. Yeah. No, dude, the oh. crew that we had was so good. It was like some of my favorite people. But it was like guys I never get to hang out with because it's like the casters and really there's a lot of casters and content creators and a few judges, and we're all doing like different all day, every day things during events. So it was really cool to hang out with them. Um, but no, the cruise was was awesome. Not a lot of sun. Like the weather was very comfortable. It was like. 70s every day but cloudy and and windy so it's a lot of outside time but no tan to show for it was it cold was it warm um in between okay um cold at night very comfortable during the day never hot i would say um none of the pools were heated um so that was interesting but we had hot tub so i would like go in the hot tub get a little too hot cold shock myself in the pool and just keep flip-flopping yeah, it was a great time, though. I highly recommend, if anything like this ever happens again, to check it out. Um, awesome. I can certainly share more about it if you want. Yeah. I was immensely uh, jealous. You were posting pics at the same time we were having a blizzard here. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even me. I had no internet. I didn't pay for Wi-Fi, so I had no internet access the whole weekend. So, like, other people were posting pictures of me. I was hearing about new heroes getting released and Bravo's top eighting battle hardens is crazy stuff I, I don't know i was the, removed from the from the internet world for a couple of days which is super nice sweet so let's move into our first topic then it's uh we're gonna talk about victor goldmane high and mighty he's the new hero who was just released uh, and he's a guardian and it says the first time each turn you create a gold token with an effect that you control draw a card and then the first time each turn, you would fail to win a clash. Instead, you may destroy one of your gold that you control. And if you do, put the one of the revealed cards on the bottom of the owner's deck, then clash again. So that is either player's deck. So essentially, you get a you make a gold card, draw, make a gold coin, draw a card, and then when you clash, you get to kind of redo your clash, essentially, uh, which is pretty cool. He does well, have you a, get to play Arachne, right? Yes. Well, yeah, you get to redo it if you lost. Is essentially but you can redo you their card. Use that. Yeah, yeah. So that. Oh, like, is it both cards, not just your own? It's either player. 
Yeah, so I'm saying you can like mimic Arachne and look at their top card and bottom it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's for, and you and you still get the mill plan with the hammer, which you haven't gotten to yet. But so it is uh, like most of our other hammers we've gotten three cost for four power, and it is uh, importantly a one handed hammer, and so that means that you could either put a shield with it or uh, talking about this earlier today, uh, just wield two hammers, <laughs> just in case you get the negative side of the effect of this. Maybe you just want to have a backup hammer. Uh, so it has an effect. Uh, when this hits a hero, clash with them. If you win, destroy the top card of their deck. If they win, you put a minus one counter on the hammer. So that's where the dual wielding hammers could come in, where maybe you have a backup plan. Okay, well, I, I lost. I still have another hammer that's for four. That might not be good enough, but like, that was a fun thought. Uh, so you have like this kind of caked in mill plan potentially with it which kind of lends itself more to that cosplay arachne uh comment that you had a minute ago dan where we get to Mm -hmm. manipulate the top cards of the decks a little bit we get to uh, kill cards off the top of the deck so uh maybe we see a fatigue oriented style with this guardian uh could potentially see you go either direction where the the gold token uh extra draw maybe you just have a value oriented game plan Uh, i think it's gonna be really interesting with this hero I agree. You, I keep seeing people comment that like its effect, like its negative side of the hammer is like really bad. So maybe you can't play it as like real fatigue. And I'm sitting here like, do you know how annoying a one damage hammer swinging at you every round would be <laughs> if like they're playing the fatigue side? Like you're not going to win by damage most of the time anyway, especially mm-hmm. if you're milling like one of their cards. Uh, and you have to lose a clash and you have a second shot at the clash. Like it's actually kind of hard to get counters on this. Um, and all I've seen is people talking about how, like, how easy it would be to get counters on that. And I'm like, yeah, maybe in like sealed and stuff, it's going to be pretty easy because we'll both have giant, giant cards, but he's a guardian. So he should have a ton of attack. And then like most of the decks that you're playing against are not going to have as many eights and nines and sevens and you get a redo on top of it. So it's like, who cares if it goes to three or two Mm -hmm. or one, all you care about is the effect. And if you in their, in their deck, like. You, if you mill like eight cards over the course of a game or seven cards or six cards, you hit like a whole cycle. You mess up a pitch stack if they're trying to set that up. But if you just, just skip two of their turns, like you essentially just gained like 12 health because like every card that you take away, you're gaining three health essentially. And messing with their pitch stack also can like be an important factor of your anti-anti-fatigue strategy where like they're trying to set up this end game to beat you because they understand your fatigue. Well, now you're stopping them from enacting that game plan by messing up their pitch stack. Mm-hmm. So it means that they might have to beat you on a different axis. Yeah, it's a really powerful effect. I remember I was laying on the beach when I heard about this card. Again, no internet. They're just rubbing just, it in more. Come just on. having the perfect day at Coco K. It was amazing. Um, but all the other guys were like hyped up about the new hero and the weapon. And they were like explaining the effect to me and the four powers. Like, I swear to God, this better not be another one-handed weapon. Like, I feel like Guardian gets such special treatment. Like, they get the best weapons in the game. And by the way, here's a shield you can just have for free. So it seems pretty strong. At yeah, least he I... doesn't get the ice shield. And you're not trying to fatigue in, like, Guardian mirrors and stuff anyway most of the time, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're you're trying to just, like, play value hands at that point. Yeah, you just sideboard it out when it makes sense, right? Yeah. Play a bigger hand. But it gets, like, an aggro deck. Like, you're sitting across from Fi and you're just, like, this thing is never getting to zero. Like it doesn't matter if you're fatiguing them. You're playing against a five. You're not going to get your hammer to zero. Well, it, it, this, that then depends on if you're playing the non attacks. Mm-hmm. One of the, 
I've been reserving judgment a little bit on like evaluating the, the new hero so far because we don't have the full picture. And like in his case, a lot of what we've seen has just been like non attacks and such. And it's like, well, am I trying to clash with boast in my deck? Like, uh, what does the texture of this deck look like? And I think we don't have the full picture yet. Because, like, am I going to execute this inconsistent strategy by throwing these cards that literally can never win a clash in my deck? Yeah, I, that's a good point. I think you also, so you have, like, two shots on your own deck as well if you hit those cards. So you have to fail a double flip against like an aggro deck who's obviously running mostly like threes and fours. Um, you have to fail that four times to not have a win condition through damage through your weapon. So you have to wear, lose a double flip four times. Mm -hmm. um, it's all math you can build around. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty good. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting. I don't know if I'm excited about it. I don't really like built-in. Built-in fatigue is a lot less exciting, I think. Yeah. Um, Especially Plus you could also incorporate like uh, top of deck manipulation cards to further improve your odds, like fate foreseen and such. Yep, I agree. Mm -hmm. And then also, isn't there? Is it only for shield that guardian can remove counters from? I, I know believe. they have they have all those cards that like no one ever yeah, plays. Yeah, there might be a matter. card that exists that does it. You're right. Yeah, we I was were wondering seeing it on Twitter though. Surely someone would have been like, you can yeah, do this someone combo must that costs eight resources. Yeah, and you start like refunding the getting the things off of your hammer later in the game. Yeah, it might exist. Might he, exist. Maybe he could just buy a new hammer. That's that sounds <laughs> on flavor for him. Wait, <laughs> that'd be fun. Spend three going, gold, get a new hammer. I think going back to the hero, something really interesting, like drawing a card in a game where you get four cards a turn is like insane. But like historically, guardian scales kind of poorly yep. with cards, right? Like you don't have a bunch of go agains. Like if you had. I don't know. Three blues and a crippling crush. Unless you draw exactly pummel. I don't know what you're... Well, he I guess you're an arsenal there. I guess he can cantrip if we ever get anything that's like make a gold, right? He can just like cantrip that oh, card. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, But I don't think we're going to get any of those have go again. I mean, we yeah, might, but... He needs like a shock charmers, I feel like. Like a yeah. consistent mana sink, right? To always get value from the extra card. Some of, some of it could just be him trying to fix the Bravo problem of like Bravo can have these like turns where he's like, I have all the time in the world to do my thing, but my hand is butt cheeks. Let me mm. let me try to filter through my cards to find a relevant threat with these golds. Yeah, that does seem strong. Yeah. I think Sigil would be like insanely good because you're drawing cards, but then if you're clashing, you don't want Sigil. So he's interesting. Also, I think um, he's a, a deck building puzzle, and like you said, we need more pieces. Also, uh in effect like Crown of Seeds. Definitely seems like it would be ridiculous in him to be able to like filter even more cards or also like when I gold into a doo-doo card, I can just set it and get rid of it. Thankfully, he's not Earth. Thank God. <laughs> I don't know. He has potential. That's yeah, agreed. That's I see this. I see a lot of like potential. I also see a lot of pitfalls uh, as well. I mean, is is it he, he the only person who has like a real ability off clash as well? Like no one I else is really built around clash. clash. Yeah. yeah. He's no Betsy, but he looks cool. Yep. And then we didn't... His weapon, I believe, is, like, rare. So we don't have the yeah. token mm -hmm. weapon yet. Which is... It's probably going to be, like, a... Do you think it's going to be, like, a, a Titan's, Titan's Fist? Fist. That's yeah, what I heard. I figured. What else are you going to make? You can't it make should something. be, I yeah. think. Yep. I, I could but see them do a worse Titan's Fist for limited. How do you make it worse? It's a two? And then if you play a three, then it gets plus two? 
<laughs> I think they just won't print a shield, right? Yeah. They, they did. Yours, yours just run two hammers. Wait, did they? There's, there's a shield at common. In the new set? Yeah. Uh, oh. Bloodied Oval, I think it's called. Yeah. Uh, it's an offhand generic shield. And it, it, it changes its value based on a number of opposing heroes. But it, it, essentially, it's going to have one blade break. I remember this now. Behind. Yeah. That's fine. Changes the it, multiplayer. It's like, it's like Tales of Aria, right? It's the same thing. Yep. Okay. One little block. Close. We're getting close to getting spoilers. This has been uh, a tough week without them, but it's hopefully, so yeah, hopefully next week we can dig a little deeper into some of these heroes or some of these new cards as well. Okay. Next thing. Dig up some dinner. Yeah. Yeah. No one's ever used that card before. Um, <laughs> the next thing we're going to talk about is Battle Harden that just happened. Which we have like no information on. Like we don't yeah. know like how many of each hero was brought. We don't even have deck lists. We basically know who was in the top eight and what <laughs> heroes made it and like who won, uh, yeah. which is a little frustrating to deal with. We should have uh, probably more information than that. But the people who don't know, the winner was Michael Hamilton on Bravo, uh, and he also played against his good friend uh, Roger Bodie on Bolton, which is pretty exciting. That was a great. Oh, that was that's a great a picture. Yeah, that's the, the that's such a fun moment. Yeah, I, I know like, uh, Cody's been in that moment before too, right? Yeah, uh, at the previous game that I played when uh, yeah, uh, nationals, it was I went one two with one of my teammates, which was pretty cool. Um, so the picture I, on the one side, you had Hamilton, just his big goober smile. He's just having the time of his life. He's so happy. And the other side, I'm here for no more fun and games. Our friendship ends now. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. That's great. I'm taking your lunch money, Hamilton. <laughs> yep. Shout out to Lucas, top four, I believe. Yep. I think. My reports are so scuffed. We we're at dinner on the cruise ship and I had no internet. So I heard Lucas made top four and Bolton's in the final. I was like, okay. Man, <laughs> man we get it. You were on a cruise. We're jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, he lost to Roger. So uh, Lucas mm -hmm. lost to Roger the round before. Uh, we had, I think, three Bravos. Um, Wait, really? And he's still the on the eight. team? No, he's not. We uh, we released him. That was the deal that we made with him. Uh, <laughs> Avery is uh, typically on the podcast, but not today. <laughs> not today. He lost the Roger and he brought Bravo. Um, oh, that's why I'm on. That makes sense. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think, isn't Bolton supposed to be quite favored into Bravo? I remember testing that with yep. you, Cody, like 10 mm. minutes ago, and it was just like unwinnable for Bravo if Bolton played combo. But I heard he didn't play combo. He did not. He switched it up because I believe I wish there that... was footage of that. Yeah, I know. It'd be nice uh, <laughs> if we had any. Uh, when I was talking to Yuki and uh, Ellie about it, mm. they were also saying that it's quite favored. And I don't quote me, but I believe they were saying that you didn't need to play combo into it. And you just it, it wasn't necessarily a combo, but you just played for these like really big turns that went over the top of what the Bravo could deal with. And it didn't need to be a combo. It was just like it's like Blood Rush kind of thing where you just. You go yeah. three times and then they die because um, you have soul and seven yeah, go exactly. against a good card. I, I believe that's what they said. It was a conversation at the 20k, so I don't 100% remember. Yeah, I can buy that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it sounded like Lucas won in Swiss and then in the top four, uh, Roger switched strats and he was not ready for it. And Roger was able to take the win that way. Um, I would have loved to know how many Bravos showed up because I feel like that number is probably pretty high. Uh, mm -hmm. And I would have loved to see the breakdowns of everything. But I also just want to know who was at this event. 
It was big. Like I saw the top eight and that's it. I don't know. There's like 120 people there. That's great. Yeah. Were there a lot of big names? Do we, who was in the field? I think I saw a picture of Brody and, and Fang there at some point. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Really hurts when you don't have great coverage. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, I think the PTI event the next day was won by a Dromai. So a little bit of, okay. A little bit of Dromai there. If I remember well. correctly, there were no drama in the top eight. Nope. At the um, battle hard. Mm-hmm. Only data point that I cared about. <laughs> I was just like, mm. yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> it's so weird, man. Like it was like consensus best deck when Icelander was around, and now it's like consensus worst deck. It's because there's Dromai? too many, yeah, too many ninjas floating around. Yeah. Ninja just, brute guardian. Meta, I think there I guess, was two ninjas in the top eight. Like one five one mm-hmm. Katsu as well. So it's just kind of annoying if you bring Dromai in, you get like it's not an auto loss. They can battle back now, but like it's super negative and Fino knows this more than anyone. And it's just like annoying if you already have some close matchups that can be tough and then you're just like, Oh, I ran into two Fies, so there's two of my losses right now and I have to completely win every other match. Right. Yeah. At Worlds, that that killed me. Just mm-hmm. round one ran into Fi. With to turn one Tomaltai, lost the game instantly. Though I will say at the twenty k, I think I was three one into ninjas. So yeah. like that then flipped. Like I, same thing happened. I got the turn one against one of them. Turn one Tomaltai. This time I didn't whiff. So it was like completely different game. But that's just like Dromai being a very variance uh, heavy deck now, and I I don't enjoy that. But it is what it is. Not the point of the conversation though. No, yeah, but that's why I think it's kind of up and down results uh, as well. Uh, I mean. I still don't think this makes Bravo the best deck in the format. Uh, just like winning worlds did not make Fi the best deck in the format, but tournaments are insular. Uh, you cannot always see what is the best by what wins or what tops. That it's not super relevant in a lot of cases. Uh, you can only start drawing data points, but we don't have any data to draw any data points, unfortunately. Uh, if like if Bravo was the most brought hero, then having three in the top eight makes sense. If there are five, if there's only five Bravos and three of them made top eight, and that, that's also like a big significant difference as well. So we just don't kind of know mm-hmm. where what happened there. But it also kind of doesn't matter because the format's about to completely change with all these new heroes, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. <clears throat> I also feel like that's kind of leading into our conversation of the the main topic. Not not that we need to segue to that here. Uh, I think that a lot of times the best deck isn't always the most relevant thing in fab specifically compared to other games, like other games. It's like you, if you're not playing the meta deck or at least close to like maybe one step down, you're just a clown, like where that's not always the case in fab and frequently not the case, Mm. but we we can jump on that when we actually go to that topic. Yeah. It's wild how viable like every hero is. Yep. That's That's where we're going to go. Yeah. Battle hard and level. I mean, I think, it's a hot take, but I think there's more viability at the tier four level events than there are at like Collings. I think Collings is a hard is one of the, a harder format in a lot of cases than tier four events, uh, due to the fact that uh, CC matters at Collings. Assuming there are you know Calling CC, there's so many rounds of calling oh CC yeah no for sure that your mm-hmm. Calling deck is like like your classic constructed deck is incredibly important, and I think those are kind of hard to win like 14 rounds and only lose two when there's like a divorce you know, pretty wide open format and versus like you're playing at a tier four event and you're like, I play eight rounds of CC. Like this is, I can bring whatever I want. I could just, you know, I just have to go six and two. 
Like that's like doable for like so many decks. I think that's so much easier to deal with um, as a format. I think that's why you see things like Fi and everything else like top that typically I think at tier four events, you can mm -hmm. see a lot of the outside the box decks top because CC isn't as important. Yeah, I mean, all of my five success was at split events. Yeah, just six zero. You're drafted. Play whatever. I didn't you play want. any not split events, but <laughs> still. Okay, for our main topic though for today is: Should you main a deck? What are the advantages of maining a deck? Why would you not main a deck? Um, does this? Do you think this helps your your win percentage? Is this? Uh, is there? Is it better to just be able to play whatever's good? Um, who wants to start us off a little bit on this topic? I'll start. I think so. I think the number one thing is that it's kind of dependent on how much time you have and what resources you have access to. If you're constrained on both of those, I think you 1000% should main a deck and just get really good at it and learn all the matchups. Um, as you have more time and resources, I think there's obviously a ton of benefits to being flexible so you can adjust to the meta and that kind of thing. Um, I'm like pretty in favor of having a main deck, even if you're not playing that deck at any given event, like having a fallback when things are getting a little scrambly leading up to the event, like some crazy dash IO just went 16 and 0 and the whole meta just shifted. Um, being able to fall back on a deck or if like, say you're innovating dash IO and you realize, oh, this deck actually just loses to any deck with a four block in it. Um, having five to fall back on, like in my case is, is really helpful. Fina, thoughts? I 100% agree with that on the whole time aspect. I I am definitely someone that falls into the the one trick category in in this game. It was Prism, then it was Dromai, then the it wasn't New Prism, so it was still Dromai. <laughs> You're even uh, more of a one trick than most one tricks. You one trick a class. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's a that's a that's a good statement there. I think. There's other aspects of um, this too. Uh, Arsenal Pass actually had an episode about this recently, and I definitely agree with a lot of their points on that. Where there's also uh, just becoming a specialist in a play style, where it could be like uh, I, I haven't had really the opportunity to flex this in another character in this game yet, but I don't actually feel like I'm an illusionist main. I feel like I am a specialist in this particular play style. And we've only had two heroes that are really reflective in this play style. Dash, with the item plan, kind of touched on it a little bit of this more grindy, permanent-based game plan where I'm trying to take this game to an inevitability game state and I can win through this. Uh, Guardian doesn't necessarily play in that same way. It's, it's really just been Illusionist that's like really in this niche and then a little bit of Mechanologist. <clears throat> so... Uh, for example, like I'm looking at Kasai, maybe there's some potential there with the ally game plan. That might just be, be hopium on my part where I see a green number on a card and I'm like, maybe there's something there. But um, so I, I do think there's specialists in certain play styles. And I think we've seen that in some other people in the game too, where uh, they they look like they're not a specialist but they really are where you see certain people like jumping from like a guardian to guardian to guardian and then to, okay, I can't play this guardian right now. So I'm going to jump to a different defensive deck. And it's just them playing this more uh, defensive uh, style. Uh, Hamilton and Fang 
they typically play very value-oriented decks. So it's they're they're gravitating towards this uh, just numbers on cards style, and it just happens that a lot of times Guardian is the deck for that. Um, so I, I getting away from my point though, I do think it is a, a, a good thing in this game to be a specialist. Um, and beyond time, uh, another big point is money. Like uh, that that was a reason why I did this in other card games in the past. Like I grew up as a poor kid, and you know, it's I, I got to pick that one deck because I I can't afford to swap a bunch of times. So I got to learn to get good with this one deck, or that's it. I'm just not playing for an, a certain amount of time. And I think Fab does a really good job of that, where you you can just sink a shitload of time into a deck, and it really rewards you for that because the game is so deep and really min-maxing your game plans uh, really gets you a lot of extra value because games can be very close. So you just having like a couple extra percentage points in a matchup can matter way more in this game compared to like other traditional card games like Magic and Pokemon and such. Especially the end game. Yes. Like if you know the end game better than your opponent, you're winning that most of the time, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And like when uh, another benefit of it too is going to be like, I can now play this deck on autopilot. And that's a huge thing that I've learned yeah. to love. Because uh, prior to this, I, I could not do that un uh, until I started playing Prism. And I noticed the difference when Prism LL'd and I had to learn another deck where I'm like, turn to turn, I am like in the tank about a hand yep. every it other It is exhausting to play card game tournaments. It is so exhausting. Yeah. I mentally fatigued so hard yeah. at the calling... Uh, I forget the, the, the Charlotte, the uh, Nationals too. At the end of the day, I was just so mentally fatigued from having to think so much constantly. But then once I got to the point that I could autopilot Dromai, that wasn't the case anymore. And then I have that extra mental space when I actually have to think about a turn once or twice a tournament. Mm -hmm. yep. I mean, I used to be a one trick. I one tricked two things. They were both got banned. And then I spent a year flubbling around on decks I didn't like, and it was a lot harder to be good at the game uh, when I didn't like the deck. I guess I'm not really, I don't have a play style, uh, perhaps. I just have to like the deck to want to one-trick it. And when I like the deck, I kind of obsess about it, and then I just, like, find every little piece of it. And I haven't found a deck since my first love, which was Chain, uh, got banned, and then I moved to Prism. Uh, you know, got ninth at a Lil with Prism and then immediately it got banned. And I was like, come on, what, you're killing me here. Uh, and then I just spent like a year just playing whatever I thought was good at every event. And while I did decent, you know, cashed a bunch of events, it wasn't the same level of like understanding that I had with the other two decks. Right. And like my Prism wasn't the same level as my chain, but it was my Prism understanding was much better than my understanding of like old him or Phi or the other things. And I could play them at high levels and I could win events with them, but they weren't like it wasn't the same. It's just it's it's different on like the, the minute levels when you're building a deck for like one matchup and you have a sideboard slot. that's like a blue that you put in just for one matchup because, you know, your deck count just needs that extra blue to tick it up like. That's like a level of understanding of a deck and its functionality that like you just don't get when you're switching around between multiple different decks. So while I, I would we love close with Icelander, we did. Uh, Icelander that was, was the like closest I've been in, in a while to having what you're describing. No, I, I think agree, a great example that. of that minuteness was uh, I think that was calling Indy with that uh, missed shackle. If you want to tell tell that one, I mean, yeah, it's just like uh, I, when I was playing against Hamilton um, in probably my 
worst punts I definitely my worst punts I've ever made in a card game in my life. Uh, but yeah, we're not bo- talking about that part though. We're but, talking about the yeah yeah yeah. I just I can't talk about it without you didn't talking have about to that mention part. it. We lost the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, early no, we earlier don't have to. That's how it works. I think it was like round. It was like round like three or something like three or four. I played an Art of War and he like stuffed my Art of War turn like really good with his one Blizzard. It was running one Blizzard in the deck. Um, and because I got I got stuffed, I knew I needed to skip a shackle, uh, so I could buy myself one extra round. Mm-hmm. Uh, to set up my combo because my pitch stack was going to be off because I was, I was getting stuck with cards in hand. Uh, but since I've played the fatigue match so many times, that was something I could do on, on the fly. I know, I think it was mentioned like, oh, he, he missed the shackle, but I intentionally skipped my shackle to buy myself an extra turn because I got stuck with like two cards in hand on one of the rounds. So my whole count was now off. So I had to like reset my count uh, to a certain point. And like, that's like a level of, of adaptability that you just don't get with decks. Well, one, they have to be strong, but two... You don't get that if you don't know it down to like every level. If you've never been in that situation before, I knew that I've played so many fatigue matches that I knew if this art of war gets stuffed, I have to like buy an extra round for my combo turn. We would have like whole day sessions where like you and Joe would go over how to properly count your pitch and you would do it visually. And yeah, it'd be like 10 of us just practicing counting our cards. <laughs> like I want to get the there the again. Deck. I-, I want to find a deck to get to that like level of. Yeah expertise again and i've been trying all year i just cannot find anything icelander was very close it i yeah. would say it's my third favorite deck i've ever played but it just yeah. it wasn't enough for me to get to like that level of individual detail but i would love to find another deck that i fall in love with so that's kind of the risk of like main decking i will say mm-hmm. my playability after both prism and chain were ll'd dropped and i had to like put in a bunch more hours when chain went away yeah, yeah, it's yeah fun. I, I was I like, anything for a while either. I was like, like hurt. when I lost Prism, it was like uh, a year before I got my next stop. Yeah, it, it was all we knew. It's like I don't, this, I just play Chain. It's so good. Why would I not? And then they said I can't play it anymore. So like that's like one of one of the risks of being just like so hard into one deck or one style. Once it's mm-hmm. gone, trying to relearn the game, and now things are going to rotate a lot faster. While I would like yeah. to be a, a one trick again this whole last year has been me playing basically every single deck in the game um, mm-hmm. in bringing them to higher level events and then being okay with bringing, you know, decks to those events. Uh, so I think that's a good, you know, good for us and as a team and the people who are practicing multiple decks moving forward. But like, it's always a risk now with the increased amount of LL points. I think just your deck just disappears. Like I remember uh, I would watch an interview with Mara and she's like, I've never had to worry about Dromai disappearing, but if Dromai wins this next event, it's basically gone and it didn't end up happening, but it was like a real fear. Mm-hmm. You put all this time in and then all of a sudden like one, one win or one big win and it's just gone. Yeah. Shouldn't, I don't want it to be the focus of this conversation. And like I've talked about it at length before, but I've been pretty vocal about the fact that I don't really like how living legend is right now. And I, I kind of want to leave it at that, but like, I don't, I don't like that things can just disappear like that at, I, I don't like the lifespan that heroes theoretically could have in the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I, I'll i leave it at that. I <laughs> Yeah. No, like no. It. The oops, my favorite hero won the Pro Tour. Guess I can't play that ever again. Does feel a little bad. I, I think it's a little dependent on how Living Legend goes. Like if that becomes like as played as CC or close to it, then I think everything's fine. Yep. I agree. If they give us some Living Legend events this year. Oh my gosh. I'll mm-hmm. be so happy. I get to play chain again. And they, you know, made yep. it a little bit more Keep playable. bouncing the format. Yep. 
I, I mean, I'd I also cool don't like a system where players have direct impact on the legality of cards. But yeah. we directly impact what's living yeah. legend by our. That's action. what makes the game and kind of special too. Like, you all, like you also cool. get into uh, loophole-y things that like. Mm-hmm what's going to be the thing that gets the win at the, at the event. Like we've had multiple heroes floating on that edge of two points yeah. and you know, for sure there's some amount of events where uh, there's some handshaking going on of, of what actually won the event that. Yeah. So that's like, I mean, I agree, no, agree. Uh, but they, they have to get to a point for that to even be relevant. And at that point, you know, it's kind of a matter of time, but yeah. <laughs> prism. And what was it? Briar? Briar. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. We got to wait for that to be relevant. I don't know. Oh, I My mean, take like, on all these things is always it is what it is. And yeah. I'll do what I have to do to succeed. I agree. I mean, I think there, I think when you're first starting the game, you should find a deck that you enjoy playing and play a bunch mm-hmm. of them. But once, once you start going positive at your armory, this is what I would say for a new player. Pick up one deck. You can try a couple different decks, borrow a deck or something, but find a deck you like, and then just only play that deck. But once you start going to your local armory every week and going positive, you know, 2-1, 3-0, whatever, however many rounds you guys have, you need to switch decks if you're a new player. Because you need to start learning the rest of the decks at that point if you're brand new to the game. Uh, I see a lot of newer players. Obviously, if you can borrow a deck or afford to buy a new deck, if you can't, then just lock in your one deck is completely fine. Like, but I, I would say I see a lot of players start getting success on a deck and it makes them like never leave. And I see like they just hit a level of play and they never get past it because they just they're not willing to play something else because everything feels too scary or too hard or they don't have the same success. And I think like the best thing to do a new main a deck play only that once you start seeing a bunch of positive results, you should switch decks and try and get the same thing. Obviously, it's different if you're in like a testing cycle for a big event. But, um, but, but I think you're talking about new players. So I don't yeah. think the new player is worried about a testing cycle for a major. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing too, like if you're doing that, even if you circle back to that deck that you're having success with, yep. mm-hmm. the adventure you just took on all these other decks will make you a better player on that deck because you're going to learn things playing the other decks, just like core fundamentals of the game. But also when you're now sitting on the other side of the table as that first hero that you fell in love with, you're, you're going to see things that you didn't see before because you've been on both sides of the table where you're like, wait, I, I, I've i seen this before. I know what this is. You have this in your hand. And you just open your third eye and learn how to play the game much better. Yeah, I think moving forward, I'm worried for the people who are main decking one deck um, just because of the rate of LL points that are currently happening. Uh, and I know more than most people what it feels like to lose both of your heroes and then just flounder around for a while and i think with the recent my advice to to one tricks would be start playing other decks now to try and find a secondary deck just in case obviously put as much time into your main deck you can bring it to all your events but just have like some backup plans because my backup plan was prism and then it immediately got banned the next tournament that i played it in and i didn't have a third backup plan at that point um and you know it was tough um, but I'm hoping to find another main deck moving forward and then a whole year of experience playing every single deck in the game will then pay off, you know, in that, that regard. But, playing the long game over here. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, or at least that's what I tell myself, right? 
So um, you're saying I, sh- I shouldn't be spending this downtime playing Honkai? I should instead learn another deck? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will say I'm a little... I loved LL and the idea of it before we got the new heroes. And I want to touch on that a little bit. It's just that, like, Vincent was very disappointing to me as someone who was looking forward to the next chain mm. um, deck. It was not chain. It's not chain. I actually like the deck um, quite a bit. It's fun to play. It, ha- it has some interesting stuff to it. But, like, it didn't replace... It doesn't scratch the same itch. No, it didn't replace chain for me. It didn't, you know, they took... I lost one hero, which is arguably very broken and very over overtuned. Would not fit in the current escape of the game. But, like, I didn't get a replacement for that hero. And it was like, for me, it's like the same with Prism. I loved Prism. I was looking forward to the next Prism. No one loves Prism more than Fino. And we didn't get another prism, in my opinion, that came back. I, mean, I know you've been pretty vocal about how you feel about it, and maybe that's turning around. The prism deck's not as bad anymore as it was at first release. It's actually playable now. Um, but I didn't feel like I, I got my hero back. The biggest thing is like the identity of the deck didn't feel the same in either case. Yeah. Where, like, I know for you, a big part of Chain, and then you liked it in a different way with Vincent, was, like, the, the puzzle solving of it, of, like, the, the minutia. You... you and you loved that with Prism too on, on old Prism. You loved the minutia of all these little details of the the during the game and everything. Uh and, and it's just not quite the same with either of these new heroes. So the, the, they were both very complex heroes in different ways, like uh Prism with your playing with life total of how close can you get to death to create board state and just like stabilizing. Where with Chain, it was this like 19D chess of setting up your pitch stack and creating this uh, crazy late game, uh, and and neither of them quite do that. Like, e- even if we ignore meta relevance of Prism, for example, just the the gameplay of it isn't the same. Me just going ooga booga play a herald doesn't kind of it doesn't hit the same as, as that strategic feeling you had playing auras. Like you you felt very in control of the game when you did that, even when it felt like you were losing. And the amount of agency you had over the game. Like, that was a big part of Old Prism, agency. New Prism, you're just like, yep, I can either play a Herald, or I can play a Herald. Like, I, I don't, I don't, my hand isn't modal. Yeah, to me, I think the, like, hefty bannings we saw of the Living Legend format kind of says to me that they're treating that as the solution to what you're both describing. Like, we're not going to get one-to-one replacements, right? But if we have a good healthy format where you can just play your favorite heroes that are really strong, then I think that that works pretty well. That doesn't introduce the Oldham issue that people are complaining about. Like why did he get super nerfed and now he's unplayable, but I don't know. They can't solve it all. Right. I'm so hopeful on living legend like that. Mm -hmm. I, I I personally need living legend to be good because that's going to be the, like the thing that I sink my teeth into and becomes my favorite format of any game. I mean, I can like see it being the most popular format for sure. Like in the future. It's like that and PVE. I need both of those to hit right. Because for people that don't know, prior to Fab, I'm a casual commander player. So like having that thing to sink my teeth back into of this like nice multiplayer format, I need that so bad. Um, but then competitively, I need Living Legend to be good for me to have this place to kind of... Uh, I don't know if he's still uploading it or not, but... Uh, we had like a whole talk about that on saints channel with uh yuanji where we were talking about like what what living legend needs to be and like i had a whole mm-hmm. tangent on that of like what 
what Fab was kind of sold to me as, and Living Legend is going to be what Fab was sold to me as, this place that I can, like, master a deck and play it into the ground. Yep. And you can't... Uh, that fa LSS never said that's what the game is. That's just kind of what the game was sold to me as, and the direction I would like to see the game go. Uh, you know, they, the game isn't ma made for me, though. But if if that can scratch that itch, I'm more than happy. I don't. That's a hot take. That the game isn't made take? for you as an individual. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just want an LL calling announced, so I have an excuse yeah. to dig, like really dig into the format. Like or Battle right, Hard and Philly, we'll take that. We'll take Battle Hard and Philly as well. I'll take that. I, I'll dig a decent amount for the Battle Hard just as as an excuse. I just need a reason to like really put yeah. in the time. To like build out what chain's supposed to look like and put in all the reps and stuff. Give, like, give me a reason to dust my girl off. Yeah, yes. Give me an excuse that's not just like mm -hmm. throw something together, you know, for a weekend. Ooh, Philly'd right? be great because then I could just drive the statue home. True. <laughs> Make it a play tour. Who cares? Let's do this. Make it a cruise. Yeah. Make it a make it a f three rounds at Worlds. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> I would be fine with that. By the way, I'd be co completely content with having three of my rounds be LL format at Worlds. Better than Blitz. Make it the top eight of Worlds. Actually, one thing... That'd be so nice sick, though. That'd be so sick. Blitz, Blitz is such a, like, rapidly changing format that a lot of people don't really play. Like, there's... A, I would say there's a good portion of the competitive community don't really interact with that side of the game. So when you make that one of the, the most important formats of the Major... Now it's the, uh, I have to learn draft for the new set. I have to learn CC for this new format. And I have to learn blitz for almost scratch. That's just too much for me to to learn in a short amount of time. It's like, how am I allocating my time appropriately here? Where something like Living Legend, a lot of it should remain the same over large portions of time, right? Because it's just going to be the broken stuff slamming into each other. So it's Yeah, like, once well, it's like sort of defined and solved initially, agreed. Like, oh, I've learned how to play Prism into all these decks already over, mm -hmm. the, over the years. Oh, there's a, a new deck that's happened to break into the format because, like, Dash IO is good enough that I can hang, let's say, for example. Okay, I need to learn one matchup. Okay. Like, that's that's way more palatable for a major event. Yep. Also, I just, I personally don't like Blitz because I'm not, I'm not trying to play Yu-Gi-Oh! where I win in, like, two rounds or three rounds. or I love it, Blitz. I know. It's attack for the, 20 every turn. The game <laughs> might be like, you, you can play it very long, but the game typically comes down to like one round and just being like, yeah. here's my throw up turn. And then it's just mopping up afterwards because they had to block with their whole hand. They took a bunch of damage and now every single one of your attacks is lethal. So you just eat their whole hand for the rest of the turn. It might still be nine rounds before they die, but like the game's already over. Like we both already know that. Right. Um, and I just, I don't like, it's just like, let me just do my big thing one time. Um, and whoever does it first typically wins the game. There's a lot more subtlety than that, but it's just, like, not how I'm trying to play Fab. And I started on Blitz. Like, Kano was my first hero that I ever played, and it was in Blitz. So. Um, okay, so I think to circle back to the original topic, because uh, we went a bit off a, a tangent here, uh, <laughs> I think that maining a deck has a, a ton of upside. Being a one-trick has a ton of upside. Uh, it does allow for easier play, more minutia. Um, the downsides would be at some point you do need to play other decks. Uh, you will gain a, a huge amount of skill by doing that. And if your deck rotates, you're going to drop in skill quite a bit between 
the, the two decks and it's going to take a big recovery period um, or it can, unless there's something that you can jump right over to. Any other thoughts on if you should main a deck? My answer is you should not main a deck in the middle part of your fab career. So you should start off by maining a deck in the middle. You should not main any decks. You can have one that's your favorite, but you should play everything and try and play them well and understand them. And then when you get to the highest point of your fab career, you should go back to maining a deck because that you need those edges in top level play. I think like ideally it's main like two decks theoretically, yeah. kind of like what you did for a little, like mm-hmm. I think that was ideal. Just you should have picked a deck that wasn't also about to rotate. <laughs> <laughs> like imagine if you had picked old him for that instead and you sunk all that time into old him. Well, then you would have gotten to play that for nationals also which you did, and then you would have been able to play that for another almost a year, right? So it's like, pick something that's halfway through its lifespan, theoretically, as, as your deck. It's just like, rotate rotate in decks to, into your thing, at least, of, okay, dr- what I should be doing right now, you know, do do what I say, not as I do. Of I, I, I'm at a point that I'm happy with Dromai. I should pick another deck that's not close to LL like Dromai is. Like, I should pick maybe one of the new heroes or uh, one of the heroes that's come out recently and doesn't have that many points yet, <coughs> Prism, uh, and make that my secondary main deck. Or, uh, ideally, uh, you can you can combine these, but pick a, a second main deck that attacks the meta in the opposite direction of the deck you already main. So, like, I main Dromai. What do I not want to see? A ninja meta, for instance, or, or something like that, or maybe I don't want to see a brute meta. So I should pick a deck to main that is good when those things are good. So I, I'm not really sure offhand what what beats both brute and ninja. Maybe just ninja. <laughs> uh, just play the ninja mirrors and beat brutes. But uh, just just pick something else that's like kind of going the opposite direction or has an opposite matchup spread. So that way you can kind of bounce between them depending on where the metas go. Like, that would have been good to do for me uh, for the Worlds meta, where it was pretty obvious Ninja was going to pick up in popularity. And then especially afterwards, it was very obvious it was going to be popular at the 20k. So maybe I should bring something else that's uh, better in that situation. I didn't really have uh, another thing that was as comfortable with Dromai, so I just sent it both times. Yep, I think that's a really good point. Dan, final thoughts on, on the topic? Um, no, I just agree. I think there's a lot of benefits to maining. Like, for me specifically, like getting done with my games faster is like a huge benefit. I've learned. I, I've dabbled in the the fatigue world this year, and uh, I've determined that's not something I can really consider for tournaments. I I thrive off of the the ten to twenty minute break time I get by playing my proactive decks, my first cycle decks. So keep that in mind too. Now, next, we have a bunch of Discord questions. These questions are asked by people who are a member of our premium Discord. Uh, If you would like to have your questions asked in the next episodes, feel free to join the link below. So let's start with the first question. Uh, And it says, I know it is early to ask, but do you think uh, any of the new heroes will have weird problems? For example, I can see Olympia uh, having not a good way to spin the gold. Uh, and Victor maybe not having enough cards to make gold. Um, mm-hmm. And that's from Millen. So uh, is there any of the new heroes that stick out to you um, that just kind of go, oh, this is kind of a problem and I don't know what to do with it? Um, I, I can mean, say... Same line yeah, of thought for Betsy. Same line. Is like, like what, If there's what, not enough good cards to, to wager, 
Mm-hmm. I, I think then she doesn't have a hero ability, right? Yep. I know mine is. I'm worried Kasai won't have enough offensive options to deal with decks that don't try and block. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Kasai just like beats up on decks who want to block it. They're like, are you, oh, you're trying to give me two cards? Oh, so so easy. Uh, but as soon as they're just like, no blocks, you're like playing a whole different game. And I'm worried that she's not going to get a way to get you know, over that that hump. And that, that'll that just be like her downside, right, to, to her deck. I guess you could also yeah. say, uh, Fino, if you want to go. I don't want to take anyone's. I haven't put enough thought into this question. Uh, and I haven't really been thinking about the new heroes that much because I wasn't really planning on playing them. So, like, uh, I think the biggest question I have is just going to be how do these two new guardians differentiate themselves from Bravo? And um, not really a problem for the heroes necessarily, but kind of a it's not it's not really the answer to this question. But one, a, a problem that I foresee and I would like to not see this happen would be these heroes are really tied to mechanics specific to the set, like wager and such. Mm-hmm. It, is that going to be something that we see future support for in other sets? Are we going to see expansion slot cards for those types of things? Or are they going to be left in the dust where it's we, we go a lot? Because that, that's a very specific keyword for them to get support for. Um, otherwise, it's just going to be like, we get warrior support or guardian support. And that's just for all of the heroes where getting targeted support for them might be hard to fit into sets, but that's what the expansion slots for. So I'm hopeful for that. I just, I see that as a potential problem. Yeah. I think not most really heroes, the question that you were asking. Just, I think the default is most heroes have nothing to do with their gold. Uh, Kasai yeah. does like we have one payoff card for Kasai. It's a great payoff card. So I'm not complaining about that at all, but almost every hero you're just like, I get gold. What do you do with it? Eh. Profit. I, I like see that's that, that is essentially the whole thing. What is that? Yeah. Okay. Funny, funny. So Victor, it could be like Thor, where he throws his hammer and it comes back, but instead of it coming back, it's just he pays someone to go grab it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But no, yeah, I'm with you, Cody. Um, with enough money, you too can be a superhero. It's like Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like finding ways to get value out of your gold and like interacting with the clash mechanic your hero has and the what's the other one wager it just introduces a lot of deck building questions and like balancing and like we've seen this in the past where like if the balance that you need to like support your hero ability is less powerful than just not it's kind of awkward so i could see that with the the heroes we mentioned the the two guardians and uh mr gold i don't know his mr. Name. Gold. so you're yeah. saying i could jump through all these hoops to get a small benefit or I could just play a wounding bowl. Yeah, or I, I could play <laughs> crippling crush. That's my big <laughs> thing is like, bravo, there's new stuff. And you have crippling crush. Just rotate WTR. Yeah. yeah. But I think what you want to see is like um, consistent, like easy to do play patterns on these heroes. Like Betsy's, you play the one pump, you pay two, you attack your weapon or whatever. Like it's pretty good. But it's three cards. So like, I don't know. I think Betsy looks good so far, um, mm-hmm. but we'll have to see. We so excited just one week. Okay. Yeah, um, I really don't like this down period. It, it bums man, me out. I wish they would spread out the spoilers so that they would like be trickling in and we could get like more and yeah. more pumped. Or it just was just way like, longer from the beginning. I don't know. Yeah. It was just like 
oh, here's some things, here's some things. I'm starting to get pumped up. And then it was just like dead. Right now it's just dead. I'm so sad. Yeah, I would have loved to see like them. I'm assuming this isn't all the expansion slot cards. Them do just one expansion slot card every day until we get the big drop of spoilers. I think that would have been pretty good. Just something. Okay, next question here. I don't know. Spoiler season was pretty much done for me after my spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) So thoughts on testing the new heroes uh, with this many cards known. Is it a waste of time? Is it useful to understand hero abilities? Uh, Is it a bad thing? Does it skew matchups? This come from Thargor. So do you think it's worth testing new heroes right now? I mean, Cody, I think you should take that. We were just talking about that at the beginning of the thing. Yeah, I'll just say it's certainly non-zero benefit. Yep. I mean, I've been testing Kasai with current cards, and I've never played Kasai. So I was like, I'll build it with what we got, and then I can easily slot in new cards because I'll know the issues, right? And I know what what cards are like, what are my B-tier cards? Like, what are these cards? Like, they're in here because I need cards in those slots, but I don't have, like, enough good ones. Um, So let's see. And, like, I think that's all super beneficial. So... Mm -hmm. Playing Fab is typically more beneficial than not playing Fab, uh, unless you like really need a break or something. But I would say you should play them if you want to play them. Yeah, even like a step of, even like a step before that. um, I was playing like Brutes and Guardians to prepare for this set before I knew what the new heroes were because I haven't really played them in the past. Which I chose Leviathan, so it didn't help that much. But at least I know I don't like (laughs) Scapskin Leathers now. I think my take on that is a little different. It's first, do you have a better use of your time? Mm. Like, do you think there's a reasonable chance that you might just play one of the older heroes as already established? Like, oh, I haven't really sunk in a ton of time into Azalea and she seems pretty reasonable into the upcoming meta, for example. Maybe I could just learn Azalea and wait for the rest of the spoilers and then look at the new stuff. Like, is that a better use of my time? Maybe I should do something like that. If that's not the case and you're just like, no, no matter what, I'm playing one of these new heroes. No matter what, I'm playing Kasai. Then, yeah, playing Azalea is not going to help you learn Kasai. Put your time in. Because one of the things that can do is help you identify problems with the deck with what you currently have. So you know what you're looking for throughout spoiler season. So like, mm-hmm. uh, let's say Kasai, you're like, man, I I really don't have go-agains in the deck that I like, for, for example. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, this, this just like isn't the go-again effects that I'm really looking for to like really pump out the damage and let me utilize... Uh, these soldier centauri token things. So when I see spoilers come out and I see an effect that has something that fills a hole that I identify that the deck has, that right there, that right there, that's a good card. And then you it's can... It's like the Vincent spoiler. Which one? The Vincent spoiler. We needed more runechain consistency, and we got it. Did we? We still need more, but... Mm. <laughs> it gets runeblood incantation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just forgot that card existed. Same. It was my first thought. I was like, oh, that helps one of the issues I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. <laughs> only if you already have... <laughs> only if you're floating already some room chance, but... Because mm-hmm. uh, then it won't have go again. And then you didn't do anything with your turn, mm-hmm. and the problem is that you don't always get to attack, uh, which is bad when you go down in numbers and you're a numbers deck. 
But I, th- that... I think the, the problem that you run into when you're testing stuff before it's out is a lot of times your time is just thrown out the window. Like enough, you're you're gonna mess around with all these new cards from the minimal spoilers we have, and then the deck's just gonna look absolutely nothing like what you're doing. Because a lot of times, too, what they do in Fab is they sandbag a lot of stuff, too. So, like, we're like, how does this work? And then we get everything, and we're like, oh, this is, like, nothing like what I thought it was going to be. And if you were trying to go one direction, and then everything came out, and it's completely different, well, everything you were doing over here just, like, didn't matter, and you just wasted a week of your time. I think it's way more of, like, a mindset and intention thing. Like, don't go into testing a barely released hero with the intent of solving the hero. Like, Mm -hmm. do what you guys were saying earlier of go into it with the goal of understanding the issues or question like, yeah, like we're just learning the play patterns of the hero. But that's also just like a broader, if you're listening to this, like that's just how you should be doing play testing period. It doesn't matter what type of play testing you're doing. If you're not sitting down for play testing with a question in mind or something is very important. Like if you're just jamming games into your buddy for or Talishar, and you're just like, those were games. Those were the games of all time. <laughs> you you got nothing really out of that other than reps, little, and that's not. <laughs> like you do need reps, but like mm. get more out of your time and a- a- answer a question. Yep. I think it's a good point. Uh, next question here by a Bramble Spark. If you were going to Calling Queenstown and the cards. Uh, not yet known, would be spoiled the eve of Sealed Calling. How would you prepare for that in one night? So essentially he's asking, hey, I'm going to Calling. I'm not, mm-hmm. it's a Sealed Calling. I'm not going to know all the cards in the Sealed deck uh, until like the night before, maybe. So any advice on how to prep for that? No, I've never been in that situation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's my initial thought. It's like, should, should we do a live stream for the people? Have fun. Have some prep. <laughs> have some prep. <laughs> Um, no idea. Uh, All the people at Queenstown would watch that. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say probably don't cram. Um, like don't try and memorize every card and like dissect every card. I don't know. Just find the first thing that's. uh, I got nothing. It's sealed, so it's value, right? It's just value in sealed most of the time. So just oh, we just did an episode on this. Yeah. So you don't really need to know all the cards. You can open them and you'd be like, oh, a three for seven. I put that in deck. Oh, another three for seven. I put that in deck. You just whatever gives you more numbers in sealed and you have like a good pile of because this might be a kind of grindy seal format, just like off the top of my head. um, You just isolate how many big number things that you have that are very efficient. And then you just play that deck. Yeah, like that's like on the fundamentals. That, that's I how good, I think you got to tackle it. I think a good use of your time, because in this scenario, you you are on very limited time because you, you got to sleep. Like, I, I think it's far more important to go into the event well-rested and not be a zombie. Um, I think just spending time talking about the cards with, like, your buddies, maybe even just get on Discord with some people if you can, and just talk about the interactions and the cards themselves and... See if people see things that you don't see, so that way you can go into it with more of an idea of what's going on than the person next to you. Because you're you're gonna just figure out stuff just talking to people a lot of the times. Like, oh yeah, you're right. This uh, two costs are really good in 
bright lights because a lot of my cost curve is revolving around my weapon that costs one or something like that. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I should go more towards two for fives. And like, if I was just going on heuristics, I would only be going for three for sixes, but maybe that's less efficient than a two for five. And like, obviously you're just going to play both in that scenario, but mm -hmm. you, you being able to identify those kind of like little obvious things just by talking to people that just maybe weren't obvious to you. I think, I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, I think I would start by immediately reading all of the token weapons um, and probably reading the rare weapons too, but like read the token weapons once we know them and how they interact with the respective heroes and then kind of just use that to figure out what cards work best with each. Yeah, and maybe try to identify like how each of the heroes is trying to win and how they lose and just like really broad strokes types of things and... I think uh, one of the harder things when you're early on in limited format too is going to be identifying uh, where your uh, generic or like dual class cards are supposed to go. Like if I open a bunch of, uh, let's go to bright lights again. If I open a bunch of the uh, the the one cost pumps, where where do those go? If if I'm just first looking at the cards, I'm just going to go mm, that doesn't block for three. I sleep where. If I open a ton of reds, maybe I was just supposed to be max, but but I didn't realize that's where those are supposed to go. So just kind of identifying the homes of all of the more open cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think to your earlier point, if you have access to a team or the Runaways Discord, ask us. Like post pictures of the cards, be like, hey, is this what, what what's the best here? Like, what should I be looking for? That kind of thing. Ask questions. Work together. Great. Next question here, also by Finding Walloon. It says, with three Bravos in the top eight of uh, BH Cincinnati and zero Azalea, does anyone owe Lucas an apology? And I will say, no, he didn't win. And we did tell him he wasn't going to win. Uh, and he's not here. So, but in a more like, serious... I don't know Go if ahead. the best players in the room are going to play Bravo, then Bravo is going to win. It's, yep. I it is what it is. I, I would also say... No like, offense to anyone else. Michael Hamilton's pretty good at the game. Yeah. So is Lucas. Except for Lucas. We can give offense to Lucas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think... I think we <laughs> talked about it a little bit earlier, but I don't... In a serious note, like, I don't think results of a tournament um, reflect the actual state of the game in most cases. Uh, they just re reflect the people at the tournament and the uh, who showed up on that day or what cards were drawn on that day. I, I do... I still... And we don't have enough stats to be able to back it up. If... I think Bravo is good, and I think we said on the on the podcast that Bravo is a good deck. It's just like really linear, pretty straightforward, and like you just get in bad game states where you just can't win, and you're just sitting there hoping the whole time. And that's like just not a way we like to play the game. And yeah, that's like some of us just don't like the deck. Yeah, but he did. Well. Also, doesn't tell the full story of like Swiss. Correct. Like, oh yeah, I know nothing about this event other than Lucas made us the top four, and then. Roger and Michael played a friendly game in like, the finals. Like I don't like you could see no some Bravos in the top and go, "Wow, Bravo must be really good into the what I have as a perceived meta." And then you just realize Bravo just didn't even play any of those decks. You, yep. mm -hmm. it, 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 what what happened in the tournament cannot be reflective of the actual meta game. Yep, yep. Um, but I think we did say he was going to talk with it. He just was going to lose. Oh yeah, he was always going to top eight. Yeah. He's always got a top eight. It's this Lucas. He's a genius. Uh, he just believes in himself enough. Uh, <laughs> uh, next Dude, question. It's important. It is. Uh, 
Are there any CC heroes that feel like they are one or two new cards away from having a much bigger impact in the meta? Um, <laughs> and that is Sketchy Man in White Van. Certainly depends on the quality of the card, but... Just do you think there's any decks in that position where if they got one or two new good cards, then they would just go like generically like, good, like a <laughs> zero for four type or zero for five type power, right? Maybe like maybe more pod. than that. I, I'm I mean, thinking... like if Max got a tutor for the mech suit, then I would choose Max. Like it's yeah, true. It depends, right? Like that's too far, obviously. I mean, I I'm thinking like Vincent is one um, channel mount yeah. heroic away from being a good deck. Like yeah, I think it so, has yeah. just needs one payoff. Like just give me a reason and a catch up mechanic to play the deck. I know I'm not going to get it. I'm, I know the devs have already said that they're too afraid of the ability of having playing free attacks. So it's just going to be underpowered forever. But like, it's like one channel Mount heroic away from being like, this is a good deck that you must respect. Yeah. I feel like most decks, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Runeblade Ninja just as a whole, like mm. they, they are sometimes doing very powerful things but not consistently enough. Mm -hmm. You make that consistent. Like if, if we lived in magical Christmas land where Ninja and Runeblade always did the good stuff in the deck, well, those decks would just be broken, but that's not reality. Maybe reprinted unbanned belittle. That would do it. <laughs> okay. Next question here is what sleeves do you use? Do you double sleeve? And how do you store your cards for easy access? And that's from Julian. I use I dragon, shields. Um, dragon shields. For now. I, I might not always, but I haven't had the quality control issues, so I use dragon shields. Um, I don't double sleeve. I did when I started. I don't like the extra work. I'll play my Marvel. I don't have a Marvel Command and Conquer, but I would play it in a single sleeve. I don't really care. Um, if I was playing it, that is. Um, and I store my cards. How do I do it? I do um, commons by set. Separate rares by set and foils by set, and then majestics and above are in a binder. I use only purple katanas, and I use a new pack of sleeves every tournament, every like major event. Uh, I will use the same sleeves for like pro tours or, or like, not pro tours, but like pro quests and like road to nats mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But uh, anything that is battle hardening up. Essentially, I will bring a, I will sleeve a new box of katanas because if you ever used katanas, they shuffle amazing. They feel great. They're a one tournament de like deck sleeve, uh, but there's never quality control issues and they're like butter. Um, I don't like Dragon Shield because I've had a lot of their crimping on the sides be in different spots. They have like glue spots on the side of their sleeves and it'll be like make like a ribbon down them which I'm not very happy about. And they're kind of a pain to shuffle, in my opinion. Um, and then I don't double sleeve. But I, I, it, I'm, i like, known at my local. Like, every time they get, like, a shipment of purple katanas in, I just, like, walk over. But I will take all of the ones that are on the shelf, and then I have to wait four more months for more purple katanas to come back in. Like, literally, like, behind me, there is just, like, 20 boxes of purple katanas, because that's all I use. You have some store credit there, I assume? I have lots of store... Well, I had a lot of store credit i have 20 boxes of katanas right. and they're like 15 dollars a pop so like they're not cheap but they are by far in my opinion the best sleeves that i have ever used but uh, you know i'll have I to do be crazy dragon though. shield mm -hmm. 
Okay, so go ahead. I said you don't all have to be as crazy as me. Is all I was gonna say. No, I'm planning to swap when I run out of my dragon shield stock. I've seen the issues. I just haven't experienced them. Okay. I do dragon shield. I bought a metric fuck ton of <laughs> the same one to make sure it's all same. similar batch. Uh, and I do the same thing every major. I brand new pack of sleeves. And then what I do is I end up just resleeving my deck for the major. And then just using that those same sleeves all through the whatever the qualifier season is. And then, okay, qualifier season's over. We're going into the next major, and I resleeve around then, so that way I can kind of break them in over the next week. Um, <laughs> I'm weird. I double sleeve sometimes. <laughs> it depends. Like, uh, I put Marvel Dragons in my deck. I am now double sleeving. Mm -hmm. But before, I was like, oh, there's nothing of value in this deck. I don't care. <laughs> um as far as storage, um, I, I'm i not good about organization of storage with my stuff, but I usually try to, like, have, oh, God, I'm knocking everything over, have uh, just, like, a binder of my playables of just, like, this is my deck building binder, so that way I can, <clears throat> the intent, and I usually don't end up doing it because I'm lazy, is bring it with me when I go to events in case I need to, like, change something so it's, like, my expanded sideboard or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. was there anything else in that question? I feel like I missed something. No, no, you hit it all. Okay. Next question here is from McNutty, uh, also known as Dan's brother. Um, uh, and it is, what do you think are the weaknesses of the new Kasai and CC? Oh, we already hit on that. We did already hit on it. The, the decks that say no blocks. I do more damage. Yep. So if they're blocking you, it's great. If they're not blocking you, you're like, Oh, I hope my hand does enough damage to race you, um, which is kind of an issue. But we have seen no cards, literally, for Kasai, basically. Yep. So it's not much of an we. That's just the current issue with the current card pool. Um, and then that kind of goes to that point earlier of you play tested, you identified a problem. So now you know what you're looking for in spoilers. Okay, something that can either scale really well value-wise or punishes that kind of play style. Uh, next questions are from Dalton, who is a team member uh, and also one of the best Marvel Verse system players, if not the best ever in the game. Um, I His first question uh, is in line with this, is what is your favorite TCG, uh, current or past, to play other than Flesh and Blood? And what did you like best about it? Um, and I just mentioned it. It's a Marvel Verse system. is by far my favorite card game of all time. Um, I won several scholarships for college because I was a young a young lad at the time and uh, was allowed to play in the sub 18 tournaments. I also played in 10 K's and other ones, but I was a kid and that game was rel relatively complicated. So I wasn't, you know, top tier. Uh, they also had like a very huge, like pro tour circuit type of deal as well. I love that game because you could deck build almost anything in the game together. Um, some things were meant to be, but you could take, you would basically get like a class, but you could mix classes is the best way to think about it. And you could mix three classes and you could, you know, you could just keep mixing classes together as much as you wanted. And obviously there were a bunch of downsides to that, but, uh, you know, that was pretty nice. And also there was a thing called the formation step, which is you have permanents on the board and you have to arrange them in rows in certain ways based on how you're, you think your opponent's going to attack you in order to protect them. And it was incredibly complicated, um, oh. which made it great. And certain things couldn't attack from the back row and certain things could only attack from the back row. And so like he was trying to balance this around and you couldn't like protect a guy unless you had a guy behind him. And so like, it was pretty cool. 
I bought like a course set on Black Friday for like eight bucks to play with my brother. It's got like 400 cards. I have no idea how to play, but nice. I hope one day to play it. Is that still an ongoing game or? No, it, I mean, they they did like a living card game version of it. It's not the same game. It has different rules. Um, oh, okay. But the the original game uh, was great. It was my favorite of all time. But Dan, what is your favorite card game of all time? That's not Flash. Yeah, my previous one was Star Wars Destiny. That was my first like game I competed in. Um, before that, I played like online games. Um, I tried a magic draft and I just got like roll sharked and dumpstered by like a 12 year old. So I was like, maybe this isn't for me. Um, but no, destiny was the, the first game I got really into, uh, found it fun. I had a local store, so it was perfect. Um, I went to the first world championship. It was like my third month playing. and I did like way above my expectations. I was like, wow, I've got to keep going to these events. And that's kind of why I play so much flesh and blood and travel so much. My favorite current game is, that's not Flesh and Blood is Alpha Clash. I'm dabbling a little bit in that game. I like the art and that they're making like their own IP, like Flesh and Blood. They're doing comic books and stuff. And the game's pretty fun. It's like super degenerate. Like every card is like a two for one, way above rate, and you're just throwing haymakers. Fina? So uh obviously Flesh and Blood would be the answer. That is yeah. best card game I've ever played in my entire life. Not, not even close. close. Mm-hmm. Not close. Um I could go on for hours gushing about flesh and blood. Um, so there's like two games, uh, magic, the, the easy answer, but that was, you know, spending time with friends and just had a good community and everything. And honestly, it, it, it magic didn't even matter for that. It was just the, the people that made it good. I, as I said before, commander, I was a big commander player and that we had a great commander community and I still have a soft spot for that. I wish that was still uh, ongoing. If if that group didn't die, I would have never actually played Flesh and Blood, to be honest. Like, the, the only reason I even looked at Flesh and Blood was because uh, it died the same week they, like, made the announcement of the end of the MPL for Magic. And then Rudy, or, or the professor, the professor made the video talking about Flesh and Blood. And I was like, all right. All right, I'll try another fucking game. I'll try something. And then I was like, wait, this game is insane. Um, for actual gameplay, though, my favorite game I ever played uh, was a digital card game called Duelist. Uh, me and Ethan will yes. talk about that sometimes. Game's so good. Really so good. Yeah, that was. Wait, are we playing best. Duelist 2 or no? I haven't been, but that's been because of Flesh and Blood. Okay. I, I, I have would... it downloaded. Um, I also don't want to re. I don't want to regrind my collection. That that was a pain mm-hmm. in the ass. I but I played the shit out of that. That was like the only other game I really took seriously. I was like top fifty on the ladder every month. I I actually did content for that game back in the day too. Oh, it was so much fun. If uh, I imagine like ninety nine percent of people watching this have no clue what the hell I'm talking about. It, essentially, take the the game like the card game mechanics of Hearthstone. Get rid of like all the RNG bullshit of that game and play it on an isometric grid with turns that function kind of like Fire Emblem where you like move all your guys and they move all their guys. Um, If you've ever played a uh, Genesis Battle of Champions, it's kind of like that, but way better. I tried that game for a hot second being like, ooh, isometric grid TCG, say less. And then I played it and I was like, oh, that ain't it. Uh, 
it was it was just mechanically very very good and i have a soft spot for pixel art too so uh i don't know the game was just really really good uh i always played uh abyssian that that was that was my class that was real fun uh i like i played the one where you made the creep tiles that uh you get you'd get enough creep tiles and then you play the card that just dealt a damage to your opponent for every creep tile you control it was very uh dromai-esque of just hitting this inevitability i love playing the inevitability decks yeah i think that game that game was like not marketed properly um the game is very good and everyone that i know who like tried it was like this game's great like but just not enough people tried it or even heard of it um as well but no duelist is a great pickup there last question of the night is also from dalton and is what is the right amount of time after a hero hits ll before we get a new version do you think we'll see or get new elemental heroes so that Tales of Aria cards are playable again? I think the right way is what they're doing right now, actually. We're getting them preemptively. We're, we're, we got the the new Warrior Guardian Brute before they've LL'd. We got the new Mechanologists before Dash LL'd. I think that's the best way to go about it because now you don't have this period of time where you're like, now what do I do? Well, you, you already have this transition path. Maybe you already, oh, oh, I'm a dash main. Well, this new dash looks interesting. Let me sink some time into this. And now when your hero leaves, you've already spent some time in the new hero. So it's less painful. I, I really like that. I, I hope they keep doing exactly that. I think it's a good point. Uh, I just, I mean, to answer the second part of the question, I don't think we're seeing an old him replacement for a very long time. Um, and I don't think we're getting elemental card heroes for a very long time. I don't expect those replacements to actually happen anytime soon. Uh, it's too powerful. Those card bases are too strong. Um, I, I don't think you can make a guardian that's like earth and ice. Like, I just don't, like it, it's just too good. You got to start banning stuff. He doesn't have to be earth ice. True. He's an elemental hero. Yes. I agree. I think they're going to lean on classes as replacements and not the class plus talent combination going forward. I'm wondering if they might, uh, when, when we get the arcane set, that might be when we get the, the new elemental set, they can do elemental rune blade, elemental wizard and elemental, um, ranger in that set. All of them could theoretically be arcane. Like I, I, I could see an arcane ranger, yeah, like a lightning arcane type of shenaniganry. We and they could maybe just make each of the mono element, and that could be the knob they turn. Mm -hmm. I think they did mention before we'll we'll get ice again, but we'll get ice when they come up with a good idea of how to play ice, like a new way, a new mechanic. There's no way they implement it the same way. Like the we'll we'll get you know, these mechanics again, when they can reimagine them in a interesting way for us to play. Um, and I mean, old him is old him, but like you have Bravo, you have some things that are kind of close, but just not as powerful. Um, and then you get a whole new guardians. Now and you have Azalea, which is not really Lexi, but let's be fair. Almost nobody's favorite deck is Lexi. So meh, <laughs> like I, I obviously, that's I, true. Obviously, I do feel I, bad. I, for, I don't agree with that. For the people I, I think who before outsiders, before outsiders, one hundred percent fans of the deck. I really liked before outsiders Lexi playing like the ice and stuff was like really fun. I think after having that many times of Lexi, I have not seen anyone clamoring for their Lexi replacement. 
well, they're all hiding now because there's so much Lexi hate that they don't, they're, they've been shunned and stoned for too long. <laughs> why, why would they come out? <laughs> I really think Living Legend format is the correct answer. That's what I want. I want the people who watch this tell me if they are excitingly waiting for a Lexi replacement. And then I will apologize on the next podcast if we get enough people who say, oh my goodness, I'm waiting for my Lexi replacement. So we'll, we'll see about that. Okay, well, I think we got to go now uh, because Fino did tell me he needs to play Hawkeye Star Rail a little bit more, and we got to go then. So goodbye, everyone. See ya. Yeah, we're getting rid of the envelope Seven here, but um, envelope we could do here darkness. is go ahead and play the envelope. Uh, all three pitches of envelope and darkness.